0: Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. So comfortable enough, we do this every Sunday here, and we do a Bible declaration. You ready? We're going to read it together. Ready? Is it up there? It is. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever in Jesus' name Amen. How many of you believe that God still speaks today? That he has a message for you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you. As a matter of fact, I just want to remind us right out the gate, God wants you to have a strong Christian life. He wants you to grow stronger and stronger the longer that you walk with him. So we've been on this series that we're calling Building a Strong Christian Life. And the subtitle is Developing a Passion for Spiritual Disciplines. That's a really healthy word in the Bible. A spiritual discipline is a habit that we get into like reading our Bible and praying or connecting with other people in the church through fellowship. That's a spiritual discipline. And the Bible lays them out, and as we learn to apply them to our lives, we can expect that we'll get stronger and stronger. Why is strength as a Christian man or a woman, such a big deal. Well, I believe there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is that the stronger you get in your relationship with God, the more of the victory in Christ you're going to experience in your personal relationship with God. And I've also said this over the last couple of weeks, growing strong as a Christian isn't automatic, right? It's not automatic. It's something that we're going to have to lean into. So we're uncovering these 10 spiritual disciplines. We've covered five already. We've talked about developing a passion for souls, caring about people's eternity and their relationship with God. We talked about developing a passion for God's Word, the Holy Spirit, praise and worship, And last week, we talked about developing a passion for prayer. Prayer is simply defined as an intimate conversation with God. We pray, and there's all kinds of different prayer, but we also take time to listen to God so that he can give us direction, and he can give us wisdom, and he can give us guidance. So if you missed any of those messages, you can go to our website, lakeshorecf.com, and you can catch a podcast from any one of our three campuses, and you can catch up. Today, I want to start with a quote, okay? Here's the quote. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Come on, anybody ever hear that before? Does anybody know who said it? Okay, that's a little tricky, right? Where did it come from? We hear things and we're not 100% sure where it came from. Well, the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 that Jesus said it. The apostle Paul was speaking to some leaders and he said, hey, don't forget what the Lord Jesus said. And then he quotes them. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Here's something interesting about that too. That quote from Jesus isn't recorded in the Gospels. So not everything Jesus said is in the Gospels, but we've got a lot of it and we've got enough of it. Amen? But that's a powerful, powerful quote. I want you to think about that word, blessed. He says it is more uh, blessed to give than to receive. There's about four different words in, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew for blessed, and the New Testament Uh, In the Greek and Aramaic for blessed, there's about four different words. But this word in the New Testament is a Greek word that means happy, joyous. It's a word that calls for a celebration and congratulations to a person who is satisfied in their salvation experience. So think about that when Jesus says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. How many of you believe that? You ever give something to somebody, whether it's a friend, or a family member, or a child, and it just fills you with this satisfaction. It just fills you with this joy. Well, let me ask you this. If it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, why is it hard for us sometimes to give? Come on, am I just speaking to myself? There's just something about our human nature that sometimes it's hard for us to give. Now, I realize that there are some things and some people that it's easier to give to, right? Like if you're married, it should be easier to give to your spouse. If you have kids, it should be easier to give to your kids, family members, best friends, and so on and so forth. It's easier to give to some people than to others. And let me narrow it down a little bit. What about giving to the purposes of God, What about giving to the things of God, the things that matter to him, like ministry, like the furtherance of the gospel, like parachurch ministries or missions, those are things that God holds close to his heart. Now, the truth is, um, there's been a lot of misappropriation, if I can use that term, of of money that's been donated to churches to God through ministries, there's a lot of trust that's been broken. Uh, there's been an overemphasis by some preachers and some ministries. I don't think of anybody in particular. I'm not speaking against any preacher or any ministry. I'm just saying there seems to be sometimes an overestimated focus on possessions and material wealth and gain. So much so that some of them have been in the news and. Some of them have been caught, and some of them have been commingling mingling fun. So I realize that when we start talking about this subject, it can be a little creepy sometimes. People can get a little tense when you start talking about giving to God through the church. Isn't that true? Do you ever get a little tense about that, or you just feel uncomfortable? I'm going to be very, very vulnerable with you. As a pastor, it's probably my least favorite topic to teach about. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable because I realize that there's a lot of uncomfortability out there when it comes to money and giving to God through the church. I realize that. So I just want you to know up front that I love the church, big C. I love Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I love our church. I love our people. I love you. And so from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know I would never want to teach or preach anything to hurt anybody. I would never want to teach or present anything to anybody that would cause them to be offended. A a good pastor is always going to speak the truth, amen? But he's always going to speak it in love. And he's always going to do it from the Spirit and from a heart of Christ. So I know it's uncomfortable to talk about giving to God through ministries and through church. But the truth is, if I want to be a really good pastor and follow the leading of our great shepherd, Jesus, then I can't avoid it. Because there is a lot of benefit when we, as the people of God, begin to renew our minds and understand, separate and distinct from the way the world thinks and people who are outside of a relationship, God thinks, when we begin to think and see money and possessions, from God's perspective, and we learn to apply those life-giving principles from the scriptures to our life, guess what, friends? There's a lot of benefit available for us. So a good pastor, as uncomfortable as it is, we got to talk about it. Amen? Come on, somebody say, I love my pastor. I love my pastor. So the title of today's message is, you ready? It's a passion for giving. Don't forget, Jesus said, not me, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, for some of you, that might be a stretch. A passion for giving. Are you kidding me? You know, we got gas, almost $5 a gallon. Uh, We've got a war going on. Uh, Times are unstable. Listen, I know all that. God doesn't change. If there's ever been a time to learn about giving and possessions and how God wants us to handle the resources he gives us, It's in times like these, amen? It's like this. Now, a passion for giving, that might be a stretch. Like, emotionally supercharged for giving. Pastor Robert, I don't think so. I'm in the wrong church this morning. Okay, let's back that up a little bit. Let me give you an alternative title, okay? How about this? Understanding biblical giving. Because we got to understand this, right? I'm not asking you to check your brain at the door. We want to think, Amen. We got to understand some things concerning the scriptures. So today, let's start with some teaching from Jesus in Matthew chapter six, verse twenty and twenty-one. Now, before I read it, I just want to remind you: Jesus has been teaching the famous Sermon on the Mount. Anybody heard of the Sermon on the Mount? So, in the Sermon of the Mount, he's teaching about the beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Bless, bless, bless. He talks about marriage. He talks about adultery. He talks about going the second mile with your enemy. He talks about not making a, a swearing, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. He talks about all kinds of different dynamics in life. And then he talks about possessions. And he talks about stuff. And he talks about how we're living, whether or not we're living with a temporary perspective or an eternal perspective. And that's where I want to pick it up. Matthew 6, 20 and 21. He says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Will you say the last verse with me? Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he says, listen, don't live just for the temporary earthly stuff. Don't live just for temporary earthly finances, treasures, value. Because if you do that, and that's where your value is, that's where your treasure is going to be. He says, on the contrary, I want you to think eternal. I want you to think eternal spiritual. I want you to begin to renew your mind and think about your stuff and think about your money in light of eternity and your relationship with God. Because if you can do that, that's where your value will be in life and that's where your treasure will be. Remember, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So here's the first thing out of the shoots. First point I want to make this morning in this teaching. Ready? Giving to God Is a matter of the heart. Will you say it with me? Come on, say it with me. Giving to God is a matter of the heart. Now, the word heart here, it definitely is talking about the physical organ. It's the Greek word cardia, K A R D I A. And that's where we get our English word cardiac. It was talking about the heart. But the reason why Jesus is using the physical organ in this teaching is because people know that the heart is at the center of your life. Your your heart stops working, you stop working. And so when we're talking spiritually, the heart represents man's mental and moral activity, both the rational and the emotional elements. So Jesus is saying, you got to be real close attention about where you're putting your heart. Because where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. You got to be real close attention. As a matter of fact... The heart and guarding it, it's all over the Bible. For example, Mark 4.23, the Bible says this, listen, guard your heart above all else for it, your heart is the source of life. In other words, your life flows from your heart. What's valuable in your heart, it flows out of your heart and in your life. It affects everything about your life. And I thought about this. Guarding your heart and guarding my heart includes the way we think about money and the way we think about personal possessions and to make sure that we're including those thoughts after God's thoughts. See, people outside of a relationship with God or, listen, or the Christian that has not learned what the Bible says about money usually tends to think about money in temporary, earthly self-centered, selfish, self-supporting ways, not really giving any thought to the fact that God wants us to invite him into how we use our money and our possessions. Certainly for our own livelihood and for our own families, but also to support the gospel and help others in need and to store up treasures and rewards in heaven. And if we're honest, I'm just being honest, most people, including Christians, uh, don't really think that way. Just being honest. I'm not sharing any of this with you to bring any guilt on anybody. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and what the heart of the Father is. Statistically, highest level, about 25% of the people that attend any one church are the ones who usually give to that ministry and to support that church family. 25%. That means usually there's 75% that are experiencing the blessing and the benefit of the 25% through God's grace. Don't matter if you ever give to Lakeshore. It doesn't matter. I will love you. We will love you. We will serve you. We will minister to you. We will be there for you. I just want to share this with you because there is benefit, according to what Jesus said, for people who begin to understand money from God's point of view. Now, I'm going to make a statement or two. I want you to think about it. Which of these statements do you think is true? I don't give to God because I only have enough to get by. Or I only have enough to get by because I don't give to God. See, this is a great way to think about things. Let me tell you the truth. This is the truth for me, for sure. And maybe some of you can relate. Uh, Most start in statement number one. I don't give to God because I, 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 don't, I don't really have enough. I only have enough to get by. That's where we started, right? That's where everybody's going to start. Most everybody, okay? But here's the challenge. The challenge is, if we don't learn to understand finance and possessions from God's perspective, we get stuck in statement number two. I only have enough to get by because I don't give to God. And people can get stuck there and not realize, wait a minute, there's something that's blocking the flow. And I want to show you what the Bible says about that. Now, let me be crystal, crystal clear. Listen, it's important. I'm not saying that just because a Christian gives money to God, he will never have a need. Uh, I'm not saying that just because a Christian gives money to God, that he doesn't need to learn Godly financial management. I'm not saying that. As a matter of fact, I will even be bold enough to say that if a Christian just gives to God money and doesn't learn how to handle money God's way, that Christian will still struggle with finances for the rest of their life. God wants us to be good stewards of everything that he puts through our hands, right? And so if I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm giving but I'm not paying attention to my budget, or I'm getting an over debt, or I'm co-signing for someone who I know is not going to pay the loan. See, then I I make make myself um, vulnerable to the enemy come in and doing something that God doesn't want to have done in the area of finance. Does that make sense, church? So it's really important. Let's look at what else Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, listen to what he said, not my words, his. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. Who's the master? Listen. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, let me clarify. God doesn't mind you making money, having money, investing money, uh, saving money for retirement, putting your kids through school. God is not opposed to you possessing money. His concern for me is that my possessions don't possess me. That's his concern for me. Because if my possessions possess me, then I'm no longer serving God. I'm serving money. Does that make sense? So these are Jesus's words. So important. This is a powerful, powerful subject. I want to tell you something. Uh, There was a man named Howard Dayton. Howard Dayton. He wrote a book called God and Money. In 1973, Howard Dayton, he was a successful businessman. He began doing a study on the Bible and categorized all of the scriptures that talk about money and possessions into a single topical index. And the result is a culmination of 2,350 scriptures that talk about money and how to use it from the Bible. And Howard Dayton said this, That study radically and permanently changed me From worshiping money to serving Christ. Think about it this way. There are 500 Bible verses about faith and prayer. And yet, 2,350 Bible verses on money. Why is that? Because God knows that our attitude towards money is an indication of where our heart is with God. We will either follow after gold or God, and we cannot serve two masters. We will either turn to our wallet or our worship when we look to our source of security. Listen to this. He says, we have to remember money is to be a resource, but it is not to be my source. Can somebody say amen? Money is to be a resource, but it's not to be my source. Now, the children of Israel when you study their life, uh, they always seem to be doing uh, really, really good with God at times, just walking in God's ways and worshiping him and close to him. And then in other times in their relationship, somehow or another, they got away from him in their heart and they begin to wander and, and God would have to lovingly correct them and bring them back. And sometimes when God is trying to correct us, it's a little uncomfortable, but he always, always, always brings words of correction because he loves us. And he wants the best for us. So we come across something like that in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. Malachi was a prophet. He was speaking for God. And God's speaking to his people through the prophet because their worship got a little defective. They, they, they excluded God from some areas of their life. And God noticed it. So he came over and said, hey, this is what I want you to tell my people. And that's where I want to pick up Malachi chapter 3, verses 8-12. through He says, will a man rob God? This is God asking the question. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you, God? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Let me pause. Let me insert. God loves us, God cares about us. God wants the best for us. And so when he's mentioning tithes and offering, a tithe in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is the first tenth of your increase. In this context, it's talking about their crops, okay? And an offering was over and beyond their tithe, their tenth. And God says, You've been withholding that, so now you're cursed. Not because God was cursing them, but because when I exclude God from my finances, I'm now without God as a partner in my finances. Think about this. If the word blessed means happy and joyful because God's in my life and he's moving, the word cursed is the antithesis of that. It's the opposite side of that. It's like because I don't have God in my life in this area, this area is really, really struggling. So God says in verse 10, listen to what he says, bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Listen, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Now let me pause. In the Old Testament, there was temples, and the priests, and the ministers would receive the tithes on behalf of God and the offerings on behalf of God and sometimes spoil from wars and there would be actually uh, treasuries in these tents where they would store that up for the purpose of relationship with God, for the purpose of supporting the ministers and the priests and the Levites for the work of God. They weren't given their own land and so they depended on God for everything. So this is the system that God set up to support, let me put it this way, the Old Testament church. The church was available in the Old Testament from the very beginning. Remember, the church isn't a building. Church isn't Sunday morning. Church is the people. Church are people that have been called out by God, and now we're following him, and we are the church collectively and individually. So he says, I want you to bring them." and he says, try me now in this. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven... And pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Listen to this. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12. And all nations, all people will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. See, let me let me share this with you. Um, giving to God isn't Old Testament or New Testament. Giving to God is relationship. Giving to God is always, everywhere, forever, right? And a relationship with God works both ways. And we're in covenant with him. We're in a relationship with him that's for eternity. And in this example, God's people were not giving to God. He, God, is the one who gave them the seed to plant. He gave them the rain to cause the seed to grow. He gave them the crops that grew. He gave them the harvest. In other words, God sustained their livelihood. God sustained their families. And they dishonored God by not guarding their heart and letting that slip away from them and not give back to God. Now listen, the truth is, we don't really give to God, we give back to God. Come on, anybody know, everything belongs to him. Let's say I had $10 bills right now, 10 $1 bills, and I want to buy you lunch, and I have you come up, and I say, listen, I want to give you 10 $1 bills, but because of my graciousness, I'm going to ask you lovingly to return $1 bill to me. Come on, how many of you would take me up on that deal? Is that a good deal? Is that fair? Come on, you get the nine, I get back the one. That's, what this is, that's what's happening right here. And, and listen, it's not about the money. Remember the truth. Remember the truth. Giving to God starts with the heart. It's not about the money. Never been about the money. And one time in the, in the temple, uh, Jesus saw some rich people putting in big loads of money. And then he saw a widow woman put in like two cents. And Jesus was thoroughly impressed He said this woman gave all that she had. She gave from her substance. She gave from her heart. The rich people, they just gave a little bit. It wasn't even affecting them. It wasn't really a sacrificial giving at all. So I just want to remind you, it's not about the money. It's always about the heart. Are you with me so far? Say amen. Here's the second truth. It won't take as long for this. Giving to God releases blessings. Will you say it with me? Giving to God releases blessings blessings. Now, when you're a Christian, the Bible says you're already blessed. God has spoken his blessing over you. In other words, he's empowered you to live a life in him that flows from him and through your life. But there are blessings, plural, things that God does in our lives because we're blessed in him. And according to Malachi 3.10, it says that he was going to open the windows of heaven. That's supernatural provision. Now, in this context, in Malachi He's talking about rain. How many know farmers need rain, right? So he's saying, listen, I'm going to make it rain, just the amount of rain that you need, as much as you need. I'm going to monitor it. It's not going to be too much. It's not going to be too little. It's going to rain. It's going to cause your seed to grow. It's going to cause your crops to grow. Open the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out such a blessing to you. You won't have room enough to receive it. What What do you think they did with their crops? They used them to live on? They probably sold him and made a, li- a living and, and they used them for families and so on and so forth. So when we give to God, it releases blessings. And by the way, this is not the only scripture in the Bible that shows this. It's all over the Bible. Here's a second uh, blessing that is released. Uh, your finances and your possessions are protected by God. Listen, he said, if you'll try me in this. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Who's the devourer? Let me tell you, it was locusts. Like these big demonic grasshoppers. And they would come through the land of God and they would devour all of the crops. And then they wouldn't be able to bring in any crops. They wouldn't have any food. They wouldn't be able to provide for their families. He said, I'm going to push back the locusts. I'm going to rebuke the devourer. I'm going to put a supernatural barrier up and they're not going to come and eat your crops. Somebody say, thank God for that right? You might be, Pastor Robert, I'm I'm not a farmer. I don't have any crops. You got a bank account. You have a job, or you want one, right? You have have family. You have a refrigerator. All of that stuff, God wants to protect it. He wants to keep it. He wants to keep it from being devoured by the enemy. I don't know about you, but uh, we all have problems. We all experience problems, but, but I, I, I just, I'm, I'm weary if, if I've got this really, really long, long, long uh, problem of everything that I have is breaking down, nothing's enough, I'm never satisfied, I'm working 60 hours and 70 hours and putting into a bag with holes in it, I, I don't have enough to feed my, just no matter what I do, it's not working. I need to look really, really carefully at that circumstance Through spiritual eyes. And I need to ask God for wisdom. Because there could be a little opening in my life that's allowing the enemy, the devourer, to come in and to rip off God's blessings from my life. And God wants to protect you. So the second point I was making is that giving to God releases blessings. I want to read a testimony to you. This is a true story. Family in our church. Listen to this. Doug and I were married with children when we came to know the Lord. We struggled financially being one income family with 5 kids. We felt strongly that I should be a full-time mom. Imagine the daycare costs for 5 kids. We never went without, we never went without what we needed, but we did not have extra unless God blessed us with it through people. Fast food and dinners was a special treat a few times a year. It wasn't a lifestyle. At times, Doug worked two jobs for us to make ends meet because he could make more money than me on a part-time job. Being taught the Word of God and learning about tithing was absolutely difficult for us. You see, we lived paycheck to paycheck. We didn't squander our money nor live an extravagant lifestyle, so we had already cut back on each area as much as we possibly could. I was an extreme couponer, before it was a thing. Is couponer a word? Yeah, it's a word, right? It is now. Amen. We also knew what it was like to qualify for things as a low-income family. We decided to take a leap of faith and begin the journey with tithing. Though we couldn't see how we would make it or not go under, but we knew it was God's money and we needed to be obedient in our giving. I wish I could say that we began at 10%, but we didn't. We slowly worked our way up to the tithe, and before we knew it, we were at 10%. Before we knew it, we were being blessed financially in ways we could never have imagined. Little by little, we were not only paying our bills, but having extra money left over. One night, we decided to sit down and write out our budget. We sat in shock when we realized that we were paying more out than the paycheck came in. It was a supernatural experience. We both decided to give God the glory knowing he was blessing us financially. People that have known us for 30 years plus are still amazed at where we are now. So are we, honestly. We believe not only in tithing, that was a start for us, but also are so aware that our money and things are from God, not just for us, but to flow through us and bless others as he leads. That's so good. Doug and I are proof that God is true to his word. We could go on and on about his faithfulness to us. When asked if we are living our dream, our reply is, we never dream this big. We can never outgive God and we miss out on so much when we withhold our finances out of the fear that we can't afford to give. We can't afford not to. We don't have to give, but we get to give and that's God's promise when we give to bless us in return. Come on, isn't that good news? That's a good story. I don't know where you're at in the area of finance. This might be a very uncomfortable topic to you. I'm trying to be as honest as I possibly can. Not my favorite topic. But I would be, holding, be withholding something from us if I didn't show you what the scripture said. By the way, uh, my wife and I started the same way. We couldn't give. We looked at our budget. There's no way we can give. If we give, something's not going to be paid. The car, the house, the gas, the groceries, something. Listen, the last thing you want to do is take God's name out of the hat. So we learn how to include him. Little by little, whatever, $10, $5, something. It's not about the money, it's about the heart. And little by little by little, as we did that, we got to the place oh, we're bringing a tithe. By the way, God has continued to increase us and God has continued to bless us. I know it's an uncomfortable thing for a pastor to say, you know, God has blessed us, God has taken care of us. We have this and we have that. Listen, we don't own any of it, it's all God's. We have a loose grip. We want to give away money. We want to bless people. We want to do what we can to help people when we can. And as God leads us, we're not millionaires, but God has provided for us. And we have more than enough because of his faithfulness. But listen, I am so glad that somebody somewhere in the church many, many years ago, 30 years ago, talked about this concept. My wife was furious when she heard somebody talk. She got home and she looked up their name in the directory and she called them. And she gave them a piece of her mind. What do you mean God's going to bless me if I give money to the church? How am I supposed to give money to the church? Is the church going to pay my bill? Is the church going to pay my car pay? What the heck are you talking about? And that's just where we were. That's the truth. And that's just honest, right? But listen, we've learned. We've learned. I'm not perfect. We've learned. Listen, big thing we learned is how to budget. Come on, somebody say amen. That's a bad word, but it's a good word too because we need to learn how to do that. So God is faithful when we give. Here's the last thing I want to say. When I give to God, he promises to supply my need. Philippians 4.19. How many of you ever heard this verse? And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Anybody ever hear that verse before? Now, I just want to share with you a little bit about its context, okay? The Apostle Paul's writing to the church, and the church in Philippi had just given an offering to God through Paul's ministry, and then the Holy Spirit puts that on Paul's heart and puts it in the Scripture, and in response to a church that's giving to God... Through the ministry for the furtherance of the gospel, God promises, I will supply all of your need according to God's riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? Just another confirmation that God promises to meet us and to supply our need. This word supply, it means to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, to make complete, plerao in the Greek. It means like a, a cargo ship. Every inch of the cargo ship is filled. Every closet in the cargo ship is filled. Or a hotel room. No vacancy. Every room is full to its maximum capacity. God will supply all of your need. What have we learned today? Giving to God starts with a heart. Giving to God releases blessings. Blessings. And when we give to God, he promises to supply all of our need. Have you been strengthened in the word today? Come on, let's stand to your feet and we'll pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to us today. We thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you're a loving God. You're a gracious God. And that your heart is never, ever, ever to bring any condemnation or guilt on any of your people. So, Father, if there's any of that that's trying to flood our minds, our hearts, we just shrug it off right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your truth. And we thank you for your gentle correction. You only want the best for us, Father. So we pray that you would help us. Help us. Show us where can we start. We'll take a baby step trusting that you will fully meet and supply every one of our needs in Jesus name all of God's people in the house today said thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.